With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining in today's conversations on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. This is episode 15. Wow, it has been a great journey so far, and I really don't know how we got to number 15 so quickly. We've had some wonderful guests on the show, and we've acquired a great audience of people who are listening and reaching out and and commenting about the show. So over the first few weeks, we've actually also ranked kind of high on iTunes, which kind of surprised me. For a while, uh, we were number three in the careers section and got as high as number 13 in the overall business section, which was really surprising because the show was only a couple of weeks old. I'm not really sure how they do the algorithm, but we're going to go with it. And this was a couple of weeks ago because we're taping the show probably about two weeks before it airs. But I want to thank all the people who have left reviews on iTunes, who have reached out via Twitter and email to me to give comments about the show. This podcast has been fun and it's just getting better. It really has been an adventure and it's proven to be one of the best networking tools I've ever discovered because I get to interview new people who I've never met before. I get to meet the listeners who reach out to me and I get to have conversations with people who are already my friends, but it opens up and I get to discover whole new things about them. And that's what's going to happen today because today one of my favorite people on the planet is our guest on the show. I am joined by Neen James and she does so many things. She's a speaker, a consultant, an author. She just makes the world better. She's a thought leader and she originated in Australia, but now lives in the United States and has a very, very successful business. Neen, welcome to the show. G'day. What a delight to be with you and congratulations on the enormous success of this podcast. I know it's added incredible value for people who have listened to the episodes. Well done, Tom. Well, thank you. It is, like I said in the introduction there, it's a lot of fun. So Neen, thank you for coming on the show today. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your business. Sure. I grew up in corporate business in Australia. I'm an impact and an influence strategist, and I am obsessed with helping people fold time. That is, how do you achieve twice as much in half the amount of time? This is important to me because I want people to be able to create more significant moments in life that matter. That's what I'm about, and that's what my business does. So what led you to go from sort of the corporate world into working for yourself? How did how did you go from you know being an employee to being an entrepreneur? Well, I grew up in corporate business in Australia. I was very blessed to walk across retail, banking, telecommunications and the oil industry and I had always aspired to the role of general manager which in Australia is like the second in charge. But once I got there I found all I was doing was managing a P&L and putting out fires and that wasn't my idea of fun and so I decided that I wanted more flexibility and so I bravely decided to set up my own consulting practice and I had a blast. I was so blessed. My very first client was a retainer client and so 
I had the opportunity to jump ship, but I did it in a way that I had engineered it. I told the board in the January I was going to re-engineer the business and I left by the December and they I did it with their blessing and they were very generous in helping me start my new company. So it was a great transition. It was a brave and significant transition, but I'm so glad I did it. I've never looked back. And you had a lot of success in Australia, right? I mean, you right out of the blocks, you had a lot of business. I was very fortunate. I think what happens is when you build a reputation, people buy reputation. And so I had a strong corporate reputation. I was known as a person who could get things done. I was known for my ability to speak at conferences and to deliver training programs. So my first company I set up in Australia did just that. I delivered training programs to corporations and I spoke at conferences and that's how I moved across. So I think if you take what you're good at and then you have the ability to translate that and understand what you're really good at and what people will pay for. That's what I did. I loved my corporate life. I had such a blast because I was doing things I loved. Then I decided to do it for myself. Now, Neen, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about on today's episode is you did something that very few entrepreneurs would ever think of doing, and you did it bravely. And that is you built this very successful business and then you walked away from it because several years ago, <laughs> you and your husband moved away from Australia and you moved to the United States and you left your network behind, you left your clients behind, you left all your experience behind and you rebuilt your company in a whole new land. Tell, right. tell us about starting over. Well, you know, I think that if you've done it once, you can absolutely do it again. And there was one key question I asked every single person that I when I moved. I moved from Sydney City to Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And you have to understand, even if you've never been here, I was a city girl who literally felt like she moved to the country. And so the one question I asked every single person when I first met moved here was, who are the movers and shakers in Philadelphia that I need to meet? And so what I did was the only person I knew when we moved here was our realtor. So I started with her and I literally asked everyone that question. What I found is that people are very generous and they would start to introduce me to people. So Tom, what I would then do is of the few people I knew, I would introduce them to each other. So from literally day one, I was asking people, who are the movers and shakers I need to meet and then how can I help? Help you. And so those two questions helped me build a network. And then as soon as I met someone, I would introduce them to someone else I had just met via email communications. And then what I did was chose a full immersion strategy. So that by that, I mean, I went to every networking event. I went to my chamber of commerce. I signed on for serving on boards. I attended festivals, fairs, you name it, I did it. And very quickly, I was fortunate to build a strong network. It was funny because some people said to me, that I knew more people in two years than they had known in their 40 years of living here. And I think what it's about is serving first. So I approached everything with a service first and said, how can I help you? I don't really know anyone, but what can I do for you? And that's what started everything. So what was the most difficult part? I mean, you make friends easily and you have sort of a, a delightful, bubbly personality. But what was the hardest part of, of walking away from your business and then starting it over in the United States? You know, I think that we get really comfortable, Tom. We know we have things that we know work really well. And so what I didn't realize was that uh, you know, the market here is so massive. That can be really great, but it can also be very challenging. In Australia, if you're a speaker, you have to be good because the market is small. So understand that, you know, if you don't do a great job, the industry is small. And so it's going to then prevent you from doing extra work. What I learned in moving here, and this is 
is not to sound disrespectful. However, the market is so big. I saw so many average speakers who were still making money and wondering how they were surviving. So building a brand in a very cluttered market was a challenge. That was difficult here. Now, I can leverage being Australian as something different, but there are so many speakers in the US. It's a completely different playing field. So that can, as I said, be really positive, but it can also have its drawbacks. Now, you've done something with your speaking business that not all speakers do, and that is you have built more business on top of being a speaker. I mean, you have sure. you have a lot of other things that you do and don't just dabble in, but that you do extremely successfully. You, you mentor, you coach, you train, and you consult, and, and probably things I'm not even aware of. How have you layered your business? I think what you need to be aware of as an entrepreneur is that you can't create your revenue stream from just one. You need to have multiple profit centers. And while I, my speaking is probably the thing I love most is being the opening keynote speaker at a conference. It's my favorite place to play, especially if it's a women's leadership conference. I love that. So what I also know is there's only X number of those I can do a year. So by being able to create additional profit centers, for example, I run a mentoring program for executives. I do a lot of mentoring in the pharmaceutical industry, in media, and also in the credit unions. What I find is being able to work very closely with leaders also helps me develop them and their teams. And then when they say, hey, can you take this to a completely different place with my team? I can then go in and workshop that or speak at their annual conference. What I find is when you have multiple profit centers, they feed each profit center. When I speak, I get mentoring clients. When I speak, they come in and ask me to do a workshop. When I speak, they ask me, would I be able to contribute to their you know, university internally? So what I find is when you're really good at one particular skill, it often feeds others. Too often entrepreneurs only focus in on one thing where they need to probably diversify their income so they're not solely reliant on one profit center. Neen, you have a great saying about who you like to work with and where you like to work, and I don't, <laughs> want, I don't want to mess it up, so I'm going to ask you to say your kind of famous saying, and then I'm going to play off of that a little bit. So why don't you then- share with that? Share with yeah, us that. the mantra we have in my company is I do what I love with people I love and places I love. And so for me, it's important to love the audience that I'm serving, to be in a place that's really congruent with me and what I love about life, and to be doing the types of things that I enjoy. I find when things are outside that mantra, I don't enjoy it as much. And I think we have, you know, we have 1,440 minutes in a day. I want to make sure I'm investing mine in the best things. So I do what I love with people I love in places I love. And and I get the the honor of seeing you at least once a year at the National Speakers Convention and National Speakers Association Convention. And also once in a while when I travel, if I'm in Philadelphia, we'll go out to dinner. If you're in Austin, we'll go have Mexican food. I don't <laughs> think I've ever taken you to the Salt Lick for barbecue. So you need to come back to Austin. So we, <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> it's, it's become kind of famous amongst our friends that when they speak in Austin, we eat barbecue. But I think I've taken you for Mexican both times. And I've loved it. <laughs> so, but I get the honor of being around you and you really do have fun pretty much everywhere you are. So mm-hmm. what is it, like diving a little deeper than that, what is it that you really love about this lifestyle of being an entrepreneur? 
I think I love the flexibility and I love the choices. I get to choose the clients I want to work with because it's my company. And I like that I'm at choice about the kind of work that I do. What I find is when I'm not having fun, it's an instant uh, indicator to me that we need to change. Uh, my, my Maria, who works with me, is kind of the queen of Neen. She is really the ruler of the Neen James universe. She and I had a conversation last week and I said, which clients do I need to stop working with? the ones that you don't enjoy because if they don't if she doesn't enjoy them I won't enjoy them and so we had this great conversation identified six different people that I would stop working with in 2015 and what that does is it helps us be even clearer and it helps me to have more fun with the people that I am so for me I think it's all about choices and flexibility I get to choose the lifestyle that I'm designing and I get to choose what places I want to be in and the types of people I want to work with when I'm working with people who aren't people I enjoy, my energy is not the same. So what advice do you have for somebody who says, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm stuck in this job. I, I really have this secret desire to work for myself. And they listen to Neen James on this podcast and they think, I want to be like her. What advice, <laughs> what advice do you have for someone who wants to launch out on their own? There's three things I would say. Number one, you need to understand what's your unique intelligence. That is, how are you different to everybody else and will people pay for that? So the first question to ask yourself is what's your unique intelligence and what would people pay for that? The second question you need to think about as an entrepreneur is what are the metrics you're going to put in place? So what are your metrics? How are you going to measure success? Is that going to be a dollar amount? Is that going to be hours invested? And it could be that you're running your full-time job and you start to do what you love on the side and while you maintain that. So you might have to work twice as hard but you might want to create an income stream before you lose the one that you already have. So the second question is, what's your metrics? And the third question is, who's your support team? You need to have a support crew, whatever that looks like. Who's in your team? Now, when you start as an entrepreneur, I was doing everything, but then very quickly I was able to identify the things I'm not good at and get people to help me do them. So what's your unique intelligence? What's your metrics and who's your support crew? There are three questions you need to be able to answer before you launch into an entrepreneurial lifestyle. So is it something that everyone can do or are there some people who probably shouldn't go down that path? I think you've got to know yourself. Um, I've married like the best man in the world and he is phenomenal at working with an organization. He's incredibly talented. He's exceptional in his area of brilliance. He has a skill set that people want. What he wouldn't enjoy is having to sell himself. And so for him, he's the kind of person who is brilliant as what I'm going to call an intrapreneur, someone who is internal in an organization and they are the go-to subject matter expert. And I believe intrapreneurs are very powerful when they know that's what they're good at. What he doesn't want to do is start, grow and exit a fast growth business. He is enjoying being work, working with someone else. His next step would be retirement rather than go out on his own. So it's not for everybody, Tom. I think that the one thing entrepreneurs forget about is that you have to be able to sell. We are hustling in my company every single day. And by hustling, I mean having a sales conversation, sending out proposals, constantly selling our business. I think entrepreneurs get really good at the skill they have, whether it's speaking, running a shoe store, you know, whatever it is. But the reality is entrepreneurs need to learn how to sell. It's not negotiable. And Tom, you and I 
see this in the speaking industry. There are people who are phenomenal on platform, but if they cannot sell their speech, they will not keep working. Entrepreneurs have to be able to sell. So that brings up kind of the next question, and that is, what what's the downside? What's the hard part of being an entrepreneur? Is it the, the always having to be on and sell yourself? Is it the work-life balance, trying to find time to be around your spouse and for those who have children? Or, it, what, or what else is it that's the hard part? You know, I think for me, the challenge is having grown up as a corporate girl and having a large support infrastructure and team around me constantly. I think one of the things about entrepreneurial lifestyle is it can be lonely choosing the career that I have where I'm traveling the majority of the time. I find airports and hotels very lonely. And so for me, um, I've had to create an infrastructure of a lot of them speakers. You know, we talk on Facebook or FaceTime or text. So I find that my speaker buddies keep me company when I'm on the road. And I have a brilliant mastermind group in place where we meet twice a year and I can reach out to them at any point. And I have an accountability partner who I talk to every Friday. So what I've done is created a structure, but I still find that an entrepreneurial lifestyle is a lonely one because my partner who is an intrapreneur won't understand the same challenges. So we don't really talk a lot about work. You need to know what it is that you feel is the downside and then create a structure around it. Tom, I don't believe in work-life balance. And so for me as an entrepreneur, if I want to think about my business 24-7, that's my choice. I think it's more about work-life integration. It's about managing the environment, your emotions, and the expectations of others. So I don't believe in balance, but I do believe in integration. Well, and it's true. Everything in life that we do really does come down to a matter of choices. I find like lots of times people will, you know, say, oh, I don't have time for people who call and and want to talk to me or pick my brain or whatever. And it's not that you don't have time. It's that you choose not to talk to those people. And you you do something I think is great when people would like a little bit of your time rather than driving down to Philadelphia and meeting them in a coffee shop and and that you do something that you call a telecoffee where you, you can easily give a little bit of your time to somebody. But it doesn't eat your whole day. Why don't you tell everybody what a telecoffee is? A telecoffee is where you make a coffee and I make a coffee and we talk on the telephone. It takes no more than 15 minutes. It has an agenda and action items at the end. And what I find is no one has to get dressed up, no one has to waste time traveling. My entire practice has been built on 15 minute telecoffees for new business. I think that's great. And I think that's good advice for people because sometimes we think there has to be like these hour and a half long lunches or happy hours and things like that. And you have a great way to to make those initial conversations because sometimes you talk to people and there's no there there and the relationship isn't going to grow. It's not going to become a long term mutually beneficial relationship. And you can know that after 15 minutes. But if you've invested the whole day to drive to Starbucks or whatever, it can it can eat up a lot of time. So I think for entrepreneurs, instead of walling yourself off from people, there are ways to make choices to be able to fit people in that work around your schedule. Right. And I find that people will give you 15 minutes, but they won't give you an hour. And so when I reach out to someone, if I want their time, rather than people who are just requesting my time, I will only ever ask for 15 minutes. I, I think that's wonderful. So we could talk about Neen for hours because you're fascinating and it's fun, but I also think it's great when entrepreneurs tell us about things they see other people doing in the entrepreneurial space because to be a great entrepreneur, I think you have to be an observer. So who do you see that's doing something just fantastic? My favorite uh, entrepreneur is someone who's totally disrupted both the car industry and the space industry and that's 
Elon Musk. I love that he is truly a modern day genius and we don't see many of those anymore. He's someone who has the ability to not only look and see needs to be disrupted and changed, but he generously gives out his IP. I believe the work that he has done in designing Tesla and the charging stations across the nation is totally going to change not only the car industry, but make it more affordable for people to have an environmental impact. I also love the way that he thinks. In June of this year, he said to the world, our patents are yours. And so where people could have protected their IP and, you know, been in court constantly, he didn't do that. He said, you know, I want the world to be a different place. So if you can use it, that's great. And I think as an entrepreneur, what he demonstrates is not just unique intelligence, not just brilliant metrics. He knows the people who have helped him get here, but he's constantly looking for different ways to do things. And so I love his idea about disruption. I love his environmental focus and I love that he doesn't accept no and I think he demonstrates so many phenomenal characteristics he's a brilliant case study and a generous man gosh that is such a great example because you know sometimes we forget that there are people out there at all levels from the solopreneur level to the Elon Musk's of the world who are doing things that all of us can learn from I, I think sometimes we forget if we're a small business that we can learn from someone like him or Richard Branson or Michael Dell or somebody at those levels and, and I think oftentimes we just sort of look at our own our own space so I really appreciate you you pointing that one out that was a great example Pleasure. Hey, I have a question. How do you give back to the greater good of our society? You know, for, for me, it's a really good question. It's really about my own community, but also the wider community. And so there's two things. For my community, which I would call the NSA community, the National Speakers Association, uh, this is my professional body. And so there's a couple of ways that I do that. I serve on the NSA Foundation, which is an important component of what we do, which helps speakers, it gives scholarships, and uh, does some really cool things. I am phenomenal at helping raise money. And so so for me, I can engage other people to help me do that. So I do that through the foundation and also at events. I serve by speaking at local chapters and also at conventions. So that's one way I serve my professional community. And then I'm also involved in serving on boards and charity work and personal contributions to organizations, including Operation Smile, which I really have a heart for that, for the Women's Resource Center, which is local, that helps about 4,000 women and families a year, and then Compassion International, which I sponsor a, a large number of children in parts around the world where they don't have access to, you know, great housing and food and things to that. So they're my three things, the Women's Resource Center, Operation Smile, and Compassion International. Well, you have such a big heart and you really do help people, I mean, both on a personal level and beyond. But I do think it's so important when, you know, we're fortunate and of course you're fortunate, but so many of our listeners here are fortunate if we find ways to, to just give back. And, you know, my cause is that I try to teach people is you don't have to be extremely rich to impact a charity. You don't have to be Bill Gates who's going to give billions of dollars. You know, the little bits of time and the little bits of money that we have stitched together over time, and I like to call it compounded generosity, kind of like compounded interest, you know, when, when they teach everybody if you start saving for retirement when you're in your 20s, by the time you're in your 60s, you'll have a big pool of money through the interest that's made and the, and the continuous savings. So it's compounded interest is almost like magic when you look at the numbers. But for generosity, mm -hmm. I think it's the same thing. I think those of us who give just 
a little bit constantly to our professional bodies, to our communities, to charities that touch our heart. Over a lifetime, that adds up to a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of good vibes. And I think that that's what we need in our society. So I applaud you for being one who who does it so willingly. Thank you. We have a, the way that we set it up financially, Tom, is we actually set our tithing goal for the year before we set our target. So by that, I mean, for me, the concept of tithing is 10%. So 10% of all gross needs to be allocated financially. So we set up a tithing goal for the year and then we decide how to achieve that. What do we need to make for that? So that's the way we've run our business for many years. And I think if you think about service first or generosity first, it makes it very easy to give. So, Neen, before we wrap this up, you have a fantastic book and you do a lot of speaking and training and teaching and consulting around the concept of folding time. And you mentioned that as we sort of came in. But as we go out of this episode, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about folding time? Folding time is a concept because I don't believe in time management. I think the old way of managing time doesn't work anymore. And I think time management's out the window. But folding time is achieving twice as much in half the amount of time by being accountable for our time, engaging our attention and leveraging our energy. I think it's about energy management, not time management. And when you filter all your decisions and your workflow, I think you invest in the right things. You become a person of integrity who does what they say they're going to do. And that's how you have a greater impact on the world. The way that I do that is often as the opening keynote speaker for a large corporate conference. I deliver workshops on this as well. And I have a book by the same name. And that's all available for information. Pretty much you can find me on my website, neenjames.com or any social media platform. And if you Google Neen James, I'll be the only one you find. (laughs) Well, there is only one Neen James. (laughs) So thank you so much for being the guest on episode 15 of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. It's my privilege. Thanks for having me as part of this incredible program. It is a journey. And for those of you who have have stuck with us through this episode, uh, in a couple of days, there'll be another episode. Episode 16 will be following it right on the heels of this. So again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Go over to iTunes and and leave a a, a four or five star review if you like the show. And also tell your friends, because one of the things about having a new show is you have to have listeners. So if nobody's listening to the show, then why are we doing doing the show. So I really need you to to join in and help me spread the word that we're doing this here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So go out there today and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.